way back. But I, I very easily could have put a backslash there and put the slow descent into slavery. Because if you know how the story ends, yes, the family's reunited. They all come to Egypt, but they're going to stay there way too long and, and they're going to quickly fall out of favor with the Egyptians. Uh, the Egyptians are, are very much what we need to see in an empire. They're, they'll keep you in a position of authority as long as you're useful. And Joseph's family was useful to get them through a famine. And then they really didn't need them anymore. And with each generation, they're going to forget the heroic deeds of Joseph's family. And we'll see over a 400-year period, they, they go from being a highly respected guest to the doormat slave of the empire. And it, it just goes to show you how empire works. And we're going to hear that word a lot in, in the Exodus story. So... Uh, without further ado, let's finish up Joseph. And we're going to go Genesis chapter 42 through the end of the book. Now, I'm not going to read all of it because if I did, we would be, I would be getting dirty looks from the people over here that are really ready to go to Colorado. Uh, I didn't have to wake anybody up today. They all got out of bed ready to go about two and a half hours after I did, but they got up ready to go. So, yeah, I'm already getting looks. Like, Dad, move on. So, in Genesis 42, when Jacob learned there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? Why are you standing around here, you bunch of bozos? Go get us some food. He said, behold, I've heard there's grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. That, that tells you how bad the famine is. If, if you're talking to a guy who has done nothing but farm and care for livestock his whole life, and he says, you need to go buy grain or we're going to die, it's pretty serious. Just like when you talk to farmers and ranchers around here, if, if the drought's serious, they'll let you know. Because if you've done it more than a decade, you've seen pretty good drought. And we've also seen years of plenty, so... So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Very, very quick reminder, Benjamin is Joseph's full-blood brother. Okay, and he is the other son of Jacob's favorite wife. Don't ever lose sight of these are the these are the special kids to the dad. Now Joseph was governor over all the land. I love how we just throw a term there uh, because we don't understand the full hierarchy of Egypt and we can't pronounce Egyptian words so we won't go there. But governor works. He was a governor over the land. He was the one who sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Is this the moment where Joseph stands up and says, Aha! No, it is not. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. 
But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now, to be fair to Joseph's brothers, are you really wanting to recognize the guy that you sold into slavery? And little do they know, not only has he lived the life of being a slave, but he's also spent time in prison. And if you've ever seen people who spend time in prison, they don't look exactly like they did when they went in there. This is not being mean. This is not being judgmental. This is being real. When you get sent to prison, you don't come out looking or acting exactly the same as you went in, which is kind of the point of prison. So cut Joseph's brothers a little bit of slack. Do they still look like the jerk older brothers that he grew up with? Absolutely. You never forget your siblings. Okay, and, and that's kind of true when it comes to dementia and Alzheimer's patients. They remember their siblings sometimes better than their own children. Strange but true. Okay, anyways, moving on. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Aha. And he said to them, Are you spies? You have come to see, or you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. And he said to them, No, it is the nakedness of the land you have come to see. I love that they throw out, We are honest men. I mean, they, they did tell the truth. They're the sons of you know one man. But, man, and... And can you see this here, this moment where a lot of times we, we kind of glaze over the fact that Joseph's human. And in this moment, Joseph is speaking harshly to them. And, and I don't think it's from a place of trying to disguise who he is. I think it's from a genuine resentment that he still holds towards his brothers. Because... You can't tell me, along the way here, we've watched how Joseph's had to mature, and we're going to see in his relationship with his brothers a maturity that comes out of this, but can any of you really tell me that you wouldn't, you wouldn't mess with these fools just a little bit too? And it wouldn't be from a place of holiness or righteousness. It would be from a place of revenge. You know, I'm going to make you sweat a little bit. And, and Joseph is playing detective here all through the early part of this chapter. He is seeing, have these guys really grown up and matured? Do they feel remorse for what they did to me? And I wonder if they'd proven themselves to have no remorse, how different this story goes. Because Joseph understands, just like we understand that, that need to pay somebody back that sense of justice that we all carry and and he's telling them you're spies because what historically has been the penalty for being a spy you get executed okay the the men and women that we celebrate on independence day they were committing high treason against an empire 
And if we had lost the war, everyone who signed up to fight in that rebellion would have been seen as traitors to the crown or spies, and they legally could be executed. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that in this country, we were built on people who were willing to pay that price. Joseph in this moment is asking his brothers if they're willing to pay that price. How much do you really want this grain? How much do you really want to come in here and tell me the truth today? And I, I, I want to tell you, Joseph probably in the back of his mind had a little fun watching them squirm. Because he's human. And they said, we are your servants. Oh man, would that just wash some of it off you right there if you're Joseph? They're, these guys who said they would never bow down to you, they would never serve you, the next thing out of their mouth when you accuse them of being spies is, we are your servants. Yeah, I've got a kid sitting in the room thinking, man, if my sibling said that to me, I, I would probably fall down laughing. We are, we are your servants. We're 12 we are of 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest this day is with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies, and by this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, which is the highest authority he can appeal to in the land, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. If you're not willing to go get your baby brother, you're a bunch of spies. Pretty good test. Because Joseph kind of knows his father pretty well. Do you think dad's going to let any kind of risk happen to the one beloved son of his wife he has left. This is brilliance by a son who knows his dad. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Just throw them in jail for three days. You know, you put me in a pit for however long I was in the pit. I was a slave for all those years. Yeah, you can sit in jail for three days and think about it. We're, Anybody ever thought of it that way? This Reading through it this time where I thought, man, I'm going to let these people just be like us. Man, I'd let my little brother sit in jail for three days if he treated me like that. Three days may not be enough. I'd probably stretch it to three months. Audrey's back there like, three years! But <clears throat> on the third day, Joseph said this to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so that your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. And they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? Amazing how their mind comes back to Joseph in this moment. 
But you did not listen, so now there comes a reckoning for his blood. Whew, Reuben. Reuben never takes it easy on him. They did not know that Joseph understood them. They're saying this in front of him because they think this is some Egyptian. They're speaking Hebrew and they don't realize that Joseph understands every word they're saying. You can't tell me that he didn't have a little payback on his mind to stand there and keep his composure. To not have a change in expression when when they're admitting that what they did to him was horribly wrong and now they're paying the price for it. Joseph's cut from a very special part of Jacob's cloth. He's as tricky as anyone gets. We, we often overlook that because of what he's going to say later. But in this moment, he is actually has the ability to be judge, jury, and executioner. And he's stepping into a level of maturity that we need to recognize that, that he's allowing God to pass judgment on his brothers. Because who besides God could have brought up in their minds what they did to him as a child? Who's going to bring that up to them in that moment other than God? And I want you to understand God still does that for us today. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, God will bring it to your forefront through events and things that are happening, not to punish you, not to hurt you, but to draw you closer to Him so that you can be free of the burden of that sin. And then He turned away from them and wept. Any of you ever been so mad it brought tears to your eyes? The first time I read this, you know, and I, I'd always been taught that he was just so emotional overseeing his brothers that he turned and wept. I think he's mad at them to the point right now where he's taking a moment. Where he's over here with clenched teeth, tears rolling down his face, sobbing, because right now everything in him wants to let him have it. Now, I can't prove that, but I know human emotion and I know that... Joseph was full of human emotion. Now, is part of that going to drift into the grief of all the years he'd lost with his brothers? Absolutely. Is part of that going to be filled with the overwhelming love that his youngest brother, his closest brother to him, is still alive and being cared for and watched over? That his dad's still alive? There, there's so much emotion running through this man that he turns away from them and weeps and then he gathers himself up and he returns to them and he spoke to them and he took Simeon from among them and he bound them right before their eyes he tied him up if you think back you know who was one of the cats that helped tie him up yeah oh don't think it's not without purpose okay then he gives orders to fill their bags with grain and replace every man's money in his sack and give them provisions for the journey. Okay? Everything they tried to pay for the food with, he gave it right back to them, but they didn't know it yet. Okay? They load up their donkeys, and I'm going to start paraphrasing this for the sake of time, but when they stop to feed their donkeys, what do they find in their sacks of food? 
oh no, all of our money that we were supposed to pay is back in our bags. And one of the brothers says, my money has been put back in the sack. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. And their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another saying, what is it that God has done to us? Man, you know, the audacity of these guys. They're going to blame God for what's going on right there. Because if, if you go into the store and you buy something today and the cashier takes the money you paid them with and puts it in the sack, how many of you are going to feel really good about that? You know, human nature says, yeah, I just got all this stuff for free. But the Christ-like nature in you says, hey, this is wrong. This is just like stealing. These guys are caught on that bubble, but even worse, because one of their brothers is still in prison. So we just robbed the dude that has our brother in prison. And the only way we can come back is bring our brother that dad will never let come with us. They're stuck. And you cannot tell me that a little bit of that is not Joseph getting back at them. Well, you can tell me that, but I won't believe you. Because, man, what a... I got you. I got you guys. This is the ancient Egyptian world of punked for the MTV generation. They're getting punked so bad right here. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that happened. And... They described Joseph and how the man had spoke roughly and accused them of being spies and how he'd put them to this test and they had to leave Simeon behind. And, and they, the promise that they were not going to be allowed to come back and trade unless they brought Benjamin with them. And Jacob's response, when he sees them empty their sacks and they all still have their money, he says to them, you've bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And in the Hebrew there, I won't put the words up there, but what that means when he says is no more means is separated from me eternally. Okay, It wasn't a view of I'm going to see them again in eternity. That was not the belief that Jacob held for his sons. He believed that they were separated from him eternally. And if you remember back when he lost Joseph, the deep grieving that he went to, where he said, I will grieve until the day that I die. He doesn't say that about Simeon, but he speaks about Simeon in the same contextual tone that he speaks about Joseph. And I know we talk about Jacob having his favorites, but the, the loss of a child, spiritually, emotionally, physically, devastates a parent. It just does. And, and here Jacob's experiencing it again. Even though they're telling him he's still alive, it's, Jacob says he can't be alive to me. Because... And we all know the reason because we get the outside looking in. He can't be alive to me because then I have to agree to send my last treasured son, the, the son of my greatest joy and my greatest sorrow. I have to agree to send him to Egypt. And Simeon might as well be dead to me because I'm not giving up Benjamin. 
And when you read read the words there that he says, can you imagine the anger in Jacob's voice? I mean, we everyone that's a son in the room, daughters, you get shielded from this a little bit. I don't think daughters ever experience the full wrath of their father. I may be wrong. I don't think you ever get it as bad as the boys do. Where dad will get loud and get kind of rough, but he, he always has a softer side for his daughters. With sons, he will unleash it. And he'll let it fly because you're going to be men one day. You can take it is kind of the back of our mind. And I mean, the anger that Jacob had to have spoken to these guys of how they betrayed him by giving away all this information. And he says, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead. And he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. That <clears throat> Sheol, in case you don't know, is one of the three words used throughout the Bible to describe hell. You would take my old age, my wisdom, and all of my life experience and drag it into the very pits of hell, is what he's telling his sons. He's blaming them. He's saying, you would do this to me. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I hope I'm never in, <laughs> in Jacob's shoes. Because to lose a son or to think you've lost a son and your sons were the cause of it makes it even worse. But the famine is not going to let up because the famine doesn't care. Okay? The sun doesn't care that you're out there working in the hot. The famine doesn't care that people are starving to death. And they're running out of food. And Jacob says to him, go and buy us food. And Judah reminds him, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. You won't even see my face. I'm not going to deal with you. And... And this is where Judah steps into to a, a, a deeper discussion with dad. And, and Israel says to him, why do you treat me so badly to tell them, man, you had another brother? Could you not have just lied? And Judah's response is the man questioned us carefully. But dad this is what i'm going to tell you and I'll, I'll put this in very plain speak is that if you'll send benjamin with us if anything happens to him i'll forfeit my life i i don't have any right to any inheritance of yours and none of my family will have a right to any inheritance of yours if anything happens to him i'll bear the weight of that and and if we remember we, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about Judah and, and how he reluctantly finally became the kinsman redeemer in the story of Judah and Tamar. But the thing that Jacob knows about Judah is when push comes to shove, Judah has matured to the point he's going to do the right thing. Now, you know, we, we also have uh, the other brother... <laughs> 
that tried to step in and and say that you know he would that he would be the one to bring the brother back uh, and and our, our the truth is we know his true colors where he had tried to step in and assume the birthright and had actually slept with his father's concubine that ruined him in the eyes of Jacob he would never get to be the hero and he would never be restored in the eyes and, and you'll see it in the later chapter that you're going to have to read on your own where Jacob begins to bless his sons uh, it, it's a lesser blessing and, and we we're mature enough to understand why Jacob finally relents and he says if you're going to go take a present anybody like that if you haven't figured out about this culture and these people that we're looking at they're very hospitable and hey we're going to you're going to go be a guest here take a lot of presents and maybe he'll overlook the fact that you didn't pay last time. Maybe it was an oversight, which is what Jacob is really hoping for. And, you know, take all that money back. Take these gifts of honey and gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. I mean, all the things everybody just lines up to get at the store, right? Pistachios. I mean, if you've bought pistachios lately, I can only imagine how much they were worth back then. But... The brothers load up and they take this and they take double the money with them and Benjamin and they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring these men to my house and slaughter an animal and make it ready for the men to dine with me at noon. And they brought him to Joseph's house. And the men, his brothers were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we we're brought in, so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke to him at the door of the house and said, Oh my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks and there each man's money was, was in the mouth of his sack. Our money is in full weight. So we brought it with us again, and we brought the money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. And the servant replied, Peace be to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Okay, The servant that they're talking to is the guy that said, Hey, I did all that. You're good. And then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, they had washed their feet. Okay, you don't go into somebody's house in that day and wash your feet unless you're a guest. They should have started to relax a little bit because they washed their feet. Servants don't get their feet washed. And when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they had heard they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought him into the house. 
brought in with them the house to present to them and they bowed down to the ground and he inquired about their welfare and he said is your father well the old man of whom you spoke is he still alive because he doubted that jacob would ever let them bring benjamin uh, there's a reason for this question and a logical reason there's no way dad will ever let him bring ben no way so he must be dead and they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves and he lifted up the eyes of his brother Benjamin. Okay, their answer was, your father is alive and well. And he saw Benjamin, his mother's son, and he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? Can you imagine that reunion? And how Joseph held it together this long, I don't know. And he lifts up Benjamin's face and he says, God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out for his compassion grew warm for his brother and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and he wept there. And then he washed his face and came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. They served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Hebrews. Okay, never let that fact leave us. To even eat with the Hebrews was an abomination to the Egyptians. So no matter how welcome everything looks in the next few chapters, they are always going to be an abomination in the eyes of the Egyptians. We, we think it just magically happened over 400 years. It was never going to work. They were an unwanted guest by everyone but Pharaoh. And even Pharaoh, I don't know that he wanted them as a guest as much as they were a tool to secure the, the health of the empire. And that's one of the foundations of empire versus shalom or the, the kingdom of heaven. The empire of this world seeks to use for its own gain. The kingdom of heaven seeks to serve for the betterment of the serve. E. Okay? But we don't want to jump ahead. And they said before him, and they set in birth order. Okay, this does anyone do this at their house where you everybody has their spot they sit? Everybody do that? Does everybody have like birth order seating where hey, firstborn gets this spot because she's always sat there or he's always sat there. And the younger sits here and okay, it's actually a very common practice in eastern culture because as you pass the food down, who gets the better portion? The oldest child. And sorry if you're the baby, you get what's left on the plate. But Jacob, Jacob raised Joseph well to be the trickster and to recognize things because as they start serving these people, the Egyptians serve Benjamin a portion that's five times greater than any of his brothers. Joseph is piling it on that 
this kid is still the favorite. Now, why would he do that? Because he's still testing these fellas. Do you still have that anger and animosity towards a favorite son because I was the favorite and you stole my robe from me and you sold me into slavery? What are you going to do when I heap that blessing on your little brother? How are you going to react? Looking at you, Reuben. Looking at you, Simeon. You know, he could start naming names. Then he commanded the steward of his house to fill their sacks with food as much as they could carry. And, and again, he's going to heap portions on Benjamin. Now, when they'd gone only a short distance, the other thing he puts in Benjamin's sack is his own cup. Okay, one of the things about the ancient world you have to understand, it's just like in the toddler world of the Manning house, everybody has their own cup. And you don't drink out of somebody else's cup. Or a fight starts. Okay, in the ancient world, if somebody stole your cup, bad news. Okay, well, they had the cup put in Benjamin's sack, and the steward of the house chases them down and says, hey, you, you forget that that you know my master is the one who interprets dreams he can divine things he knows when somebody's being a thief and one of you stole his cup and, and judah says what what can we say how do we clear our names because if we're guilty if the cup's here i don't know what to say we we can't prove we didn't do it but the the initial charge was, if we find it here, you're all going to be our slaves. And then they backtrack a little bit and says, hey, just the one who left the cup here. And, and then Judah makes this speech, and I, I want you to hear it in his words. He says, oh, my Lord, let your servant speak a word in thy Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord... Ask his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said, We have a father, an old man, and a younger brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to me, Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set his, my eyes upon him. And we said, Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for should he leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes again with you, you will not see my face again. When he went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we can't go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant said, your servant, my father said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, and I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs and evil to Sheol. Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, and then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servant will go down with the gray hairs of your servant to our father with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge for safety 
to the, the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before, the, before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Sounds a lot different than the brother who sold Joseph into slavery. And Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out for me. So no one stayed with him. And then Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. So the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Can you imagine finding out this dude Joseph? After all you'd done to him? I'd, I'd be pretty quiet and scared too. And Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. He goes on to tell them about the famine that's in the land and how it's going to continue. And he tells them, go bring back dad and the family. And I'm going to set you up and you're going to dwell in the land of Goshen. And we'll, we'll talk more about Goshen next week. But you can dwell there and it's nearby to where Joseph's palace was. And there's plenty of grazing for your flocks and your herd and a great place for your children to live. And there's yet five years of famine to come. So you're going to be going back and forth the whole time if you don't just move here anyway. And then he fell on Benjamin's neck and wept. And then he brought the other brothers in and wept on them as well. And word gets back to Pharaoh that Joseph's brothers are here. And it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Go load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. Pharaoh is inviting this whole family because if Egypt was blessed that much by Joseph, how much more blessed will they be by the whole family? Uh, there's a lot of people that try to romanticize Pharaoh. Pharaoh's a businessman. Pharaoh's hoping to get more out of this. And Joseph doubles down on everything, sends them with a bunch of male donkeys and female donkeys and wagons, which I never understood the whole thing about wagons before, and then I realized wagons are going to make being able to move everybody happen faster. If you don't have wagons and you're having to pack and load everything in traditional Bedouin fashion, it's going to take a long time to move to Egypt and it's going to be a burden. Where if you send wagons, suddenly it's just throw everything in the wagon and let the ox do its job. And they went out of the land and they told their father, Jacob, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb because he didn't believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons. 
I, I, I love that. And when he saw the wagons, because sometimes we, we hear the word of God, but until we see it actually doing things in our life, we struggle to believe it. And the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. Genesis 46 is a lot of genealogy. And right near the end of it, you get the reuniting of Joseph and Jacob. And, and it's a beautiful moment where he introduces him to the land of Goshen. And Goshen is prime grazing territory. It's the absolute best grazing in the region. And it's right next to the best farmland in the region. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, 123 feet of great topsoil. That's mind-boggling to me. But uh, we're going to fast forward to, and I want you to understand, we skipped a lot of stuff where God stepped in and told Jacob it's okay to go to Egypt. It's okay to go there and to die there. How many of you want that from God? God tells you when it's okay to die. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I'm not going to lie. But Jacob will go to, to Egypt and he'll die. And Pharaoh will declare a, a time of mourning by all of Egypt for Jacob. Which is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. And they provided a tomb and all kinds of things. But now dad's dead. How are you feeling if you're Jacob's brothers or Joseph's brothers? In Genesis 50, it said, When they saw their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you. Jacob never said that to him. They never said that to them. Anyway, we, we won't mess with the lies. But, but Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And all this story comes to this point today. And it's, it is the mark of spiritual maturity. When... You can look at those moments you can never forgive. Well, I could never forgive them for what they did to me. You're not spiritually mature until you can recognize that even in that horrible, awful stuff, God had a plan. You're, you're telling me, yeah, you can think of the darkest, most horrible thing that's happened to you and without it, are you who God made you to be today? Because the mark of spiritual maturity is you can look at the whole of your life and see that, yeah, I went through some awful stuff. But because of it, God has allowed me to be a voice into the life of people who are going through it too. 
God has allowed me and empowered me to accept His forgiveness, to forgive myself, and be able to extend forgiveness where it's not earned. Because then you're showing the true character of God. Joseph is emulating the character of Jesus Christ in this moment, extending forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. Because he's mature enough to see past what they did and to see God's plan. And you may look at me and say, well, Pastor, I don't see God's plan in that. You need to keep talking to the one who made the plan. God's not in the business of keeping secrets. And it may simply be you went through that so that you can prove it, A, can be survived, and B, you can speak into the life of somebody who's going through it themselves. Don't ever let the word slip out of your mouth that I could never forgive them for that. Because you're speaking the truth, you could never forgive them. But Jesus who lives in you already did. He forgave every transgression at the cross. And his words about that were, it is finished. 